Welcome back. It's True Crime Trine Hour. It's the podcast where the planets align and three, usually, friends talk about true crime, astrology, and any other weird bullshit we can fit into this podcast. We are your host, Hannah, Sarah, and Meredith. But Sarah's still on sabbatical. <laughs> Don't mind the nonlinear time that just happened here. <laughs> I mean, if you if you skipped over Tin Can Holler because of the domestic abuse warning, then you don't even know what happened. And that might be better. It's an important story, though. So, anyway, this is episode uh, 16. No, wait, what? 17. Is no, it? No, 16. Oh, <laughs> We're so good at this. 16. 16. Meredith, do you have anything to add? I do. So last week I brought you Tin Can Holler, which was a big, big, fat bummer. So I thought that after giving you such a depressing story that I would bring something with a little bit of a different energy. It's still a murder, so there's that, but it's not, I think, as depressing as child abuse, so... Well, yeah. Well, I mean, it we're a true crime podcast, yeah. people. Sorry, guys. None of this is good shit, but that one last week was particularly painful. So I have for you today a story that takes place in Lake Barrington, Illinois, which is situated about an hour northwest of Chicago. The only city in Illinois that I know. <laughs> Sorry, Illinois listeners. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> wah, wah. This is the story of the death of Ari Squire. Okay. Have you heard this before? Not even a little bit. Oh, yay. I'm so okay. excited. I honestly am learning so much. You guys are bringing stuff I've never heard of, and I am been bringing stuff I have never heard of, so. Yeah. No, I... Wait, we do have a master list of topics that does have the big boys on there. And at some point, we will bring to you one of those cases. But these, I think, are just as fascinating, some of these lesser known cases. For sure. All right, Artie Squire. A-R-I. Ari. Ari. My bad already, Ari. It's okay. So Ari was born November 10th of 1968 so this is our first scorpio (gasps) i'm surprised it's taking us this long to get to a scorpio but i also i love you guys so much okay i also have a a love for scorpio seeing as my husband (laughs) (laughs) and my venus is hardcore scorpio i feel like i understand you guys and my lilith is scorpio which I just remembered <laughs> the episode we just recorded. Uh, so, so we love Scorpios. We do. 
Ari was born to Morris and Eunice Squire, and Ari was the only boy of the three Squire children, which was similar to Richard Crafts, if you remember from the Chipper case. I don't. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's all right. I think that was a double recording night as well. It was. So it, might, it was a lot of beer night, too. It happens, folks. So there was not a lot of information on Ari's mother, Eunice, except for that she suffered some sort of long-term illness, and she passed away in April of 2000. Her obituary indicated that she was the former wife of Morris Squire, so at some point they got divorced. She got out of there. Mm-hmm. There was much much more information on Ari's father, Morris Bear Squire. Okay, wait, time out. I love the nickname Bear. This is probably going to ruin it. Um, maybe not. Okay. I have a case, too, that has a bear involved as a person, not the animal. Okay. And it might ruin it for me, but... Well, this is just Ari's dad. So Ari's father, Morris, was a psychologist a hospital administrator, and a philanthropist. Morris had degrees in psychology from the University of Illinois and the University of Chicago. In 1958, Morris purchased a psychiatric hospital in which he was the hospital administrator. Morris would go on to purchase 25 additional psychiatric facilities during his career. Two five. Mm-hmm. Morris, I think, is uh, going back to last episode I did, probably understaffing them. Probably. And taking all the money. And a psychiatric population? Oh, extremely vulnerable. Let's just say Morris wasn't... Great. <laughs> Great. <laughs> all, yeah. right. all right, Mo. We'll see. <laughs> so, in 1963, Morris established the Forest Foundation a nonprofit organization for funding psychology research. And after his retirement, Morris sold his corporation and founded the Moshi House, which is an international nonprofit organization based out of Oakland, California. Okay. That doesn't sound terrible. Mm, well, not yet. I also want to mm, time out for a second and say Morris is my cat's name. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh,. Plug for the website, truecrimetrying.com. On the About tab, you can see the cats that we all live in love with. Yes, and Morris is definitely cooler than this Morris. Oh, my Morris is a sweetheart. Mm hmm. So in 1996, the U.S. Attorney's Office filed charges against Morris for. Medicare fraud. Fraud! Yeah. Okay. Two former employees alleged that the patients were sent to a psychiatric program run by Morris's company in Elgin, Illinois, but did not receive any type of treatment. The patients would play games or they would nap during the time in which they were supposed to be receiving these psychiatric treatments. The case was settled for $4 million in 1997, and the hospital was subsequently sold. I will say, I've been having a lot of stress over about finishing my PhD and getting a new job. You could uh, commit me if I could just play games and take naps. 
I know, right? It doesn't sound that bad, actually. I I just, I feel like I just need a, a break. Right? We have over here a psychiatric hospital called Western State. And so the running joke at my work is actually, if I could rent a room <laughs> at Western and I could finally get like some good meds and some peace uh, and quiet, <laughs> it might be a good thing. But not in Morris's psychiatric hospitals probably not probably not but enough about psychiatrics yeah we don't have to talk about my mental health so much okay (laughs) let's move on to the murder (laughs) this is not my therapy session (laughs) i know right and enough about daddy squire so we are daddy Mm -hmm. in 1994 ari squire married denise frank And I could not find very much information about the couple. But what I did read is that they had a dog named Jack. They slept in different bedrooms. And they seemed to cohabitate but live separate lives. Okay, is this a beard situation? It might be. I don't know. Okay. I was thinking along the same lines, but nowhere did it ever talk about anything. Because I definitely know a couple of older couples and i'm like this is 100 percent a beard it's a very committed beard <laughs> yeah and i think they still really love each other oh absolutely it's just it works for them it works for them and they probably mm-hmm. have rules about going outside of their relationship yeah. and whatnot and denise is actually seven years older than ari a uh, old girl i'm an old girl and a tall girl <laughs> So, little cougar energy there, but again, there wasn't a ton of information on their relationship, but Ari was a hospital administrator for his dad during the Medicare scandal, but afterwards, Ari and a business partner started a construction-based business out of Chicago, and his passion in life was actually competitive diesel truck pulling. Excuse me? Yeah. So... (laughs) I did not know what this was, so I did a little bit of extra research. So truck or tractor pulling is also known as power pulling, and it is a competitive motorsport which is popular across the globe. It requires an antique or a modified engine to produce enough power to help a vehicle pull more weight than normal. Hmm. So the vehicle pulls a heavy drag or a sled along a 100 meter or 330 foot for us Americans track, the winner being the competitor that can pull the drag sled the farthest. And I will admit that I read way more (laughs) about this than necessary. But it does appear that this sport is, has a pretty significant community and you can win some pretty good money in the competitions. So is Ari like a driver? Yeah, and a mechanic. So what I read was that Ari was a really good mechanic and he loved to work on his truck and he was so popular and well-liked in the power pulling community because he not only volunteered his time, but his tools to help other competitors, which is not really a Scorpio thing, I thought. I'm like... Even giving your tools to a friend is not a very much of a Scorpio thing. 
I know. So he was very well loved in this community. And it really seemed like he had a genuine love of the sport. And Ari even built a 2,300 square foot garage on his property in Lake Barrington, which is bigger than my house. Oh, no. It's probably bigger than my house, too. Yeah, it's definitely bigger than my house. Imagine all you boys that like vehicles and working on stuff to have a 2,300 square foot garage. Wait, man, do we have any women mechanics? Oh, yeah, sorry. That was pretty fucking sexist. You can come on. I am. Yeah. Three drinks deep, so that was totally my bad. I mean, I should know better because my mom's a fucking welder. No, it's just, it's hard. We're working on these, uh, society has told us things and we're working on telling, we're working on fixing those ideas. Yes, thanks for keeping me on track. So at 8.24 a.m. on Saturday, February 23rd, 2008, Denise Squire called 911 to report a fire in the garage. When firefighters arrived, Denise was waiting outside. She had been trying to call Ari's cell phone, but he wasn't answering. Firefighters extinguished the flames, and they located a deceased individual (gasps) underneath a truck. I'm so excited. Both the truck and the upper portion of the body were badly charred. The lower portion of the body remained intact, and firefighters were able to locate a driver's license in the back pocket, and that license belonged to Ari Squire. It's very convenient. Mm-hmm. It's also Shades of Larissa, where we just have the bottom half. <laughs> I know, right? It's just the legs. So it appeared that while Ari was working on the fuel filter of his truck, that this truck had actually slipped off the jack and crushed him instantly. And then a fluorescent light bulb that Ari was using under the truck had broken and ignited the fuel from the filter, starting the fire. So uh, just tragic accident right that seems reasonable it could happen it could happen (laughs) so medical examiners arrived to remove the body and police were notified investigators began one to identify the cause of the fire and then two to determine the cause and manner of death and so for Most of you guys probably know this, but I'll throw it out there anyway. So the cause of death is the specific injury or disease that leads to the death. And then the manner of death is the determination of how the injury or disease led to the death. And there are five that can be listed, which is natural, accidental, suicide, homicide, or undetermined. Denise met with the funeral director on Sunday. Remind you, the fire happened on Saturday. Well, he was dead. Yes. Or was he? Well, I mean, it's not the biggest surprise that she went to the... It's kind of surprising they're open on a Sunday, but I guess you got to be open every day. Yeah. Yeah. So she did meet with the funeral director on Sunday, and she insisted that Ari's body or the remains of his body be cremated immediately. Okay, this is the worst because that's very suspicious in this case. But I also, honestly, you can just throw me in the dumpster. But, like, if anything happens to my body, cremation. You don't have to embalm me and put me in a fucking coffin. I agree. So, it's suspicious, but it's also practical. It is. 
The coroner, Dr. Richard Keller, blocked the release of Ari's remains until he could make a positive identification. Because remember, oh. the upper portion of the body, so his, his face and his hands were badly charred, so they weren't able to do the standard identification. Denise Squire held a memorial banquet for Ari in Skokie, Illinois. And I wrote this in here just so I could say Skokie. I was the time out then because I also, I went to a seven-day Adventist uh, elementary, high school, and college. And uh, they don't believe in dancing because that's like almost having sex, but horizontally. So we would just, we would just, <laughs> okay. we would just have a, a Christmas banquet where we would just sit at a table basically and eat food (laughs) okay it was it was a pretty lame to look back on it but hello seventh day adventist listeners and banquets (laughs) Uh, the banquet the christmas banquet it brings up so many memories because there's like high school again high school poetry high school like is that boy gonna ask me or not like so much fucking drama and then it was just for this fucking banquet where we just sat at a table and ate and then like left. It was nothing. Anyway, I want to go tell all the high school kids from my old school. It's nothing. This is boring. <laughs> You'll be fine. No kidding. But Denise did hold this banquet for Ari in Skokie, Illinois at Maggiano's Little Italy. That sounds delicious. I looked at their menu, and honestly, it, it does look delicious. It is a chain restaurant, so uh-huh. I'm not going to say that the... I've never eaten there, but I'm I'm going to guess, at least from my experience, is that it's going to be okay. It'll be fine. It'll, you know... One of... If you're looking for Italian food, it'll fill that void. Italian-American? But... Like, I've been having mm-hmm. probably... Since last July, since we were been the lockdown, I've been having this most intense craving for Olive Garden. And I haven't gone to Olive Garden since I moved here. It's been like four or five years since I've been to Olive Garden. But all of a sudden, I'm like, give me that portobello ravioli. Right? Like, it's not like the best Italian food or the most authentic Italian food in the world. But it'll do. It will do. It's pretty damn tasty. So anyways, uh, we could do some sort of Italian food pairing if you wanted. Oh, I'm going to eat Italian food tomorrow night, I think. We were going to go to Olive Garden, but uh, we decided to class it up because one of um, of my friends will be leaving soon. And so we won't have a chance to have a dinner like as this friend group again. So we're going to the uh, posh place in davis i'll take a picture of my food excellent excellent and at this particular banquet for ari over a hundred people came to pay their respects and reminisce about their friend ari a lot of them were from the truck pulling community so it was a somber but uplifting experience for them to be able to talk about Ari and share their experiences with him. Like I said, he was very well loved in that community. And then the following obituary was posted on Legacy.com. A celebration of life of Ari M. Squire, 39, is being planned. Internment is private. Ari was the loving husband of Denise Squire. 
he will also be missed by his loving dog son named Jack. Okay, I do love that they just had a dog as a child. Mm-hmm. As long as they weren't, like, insufferable about it. But, like, it's fine. It's cute. Yeah. It's the, it's their fur baby, and that's it, that's cool. It can be gross, but it can be cute. Yeah. And it also lists all of his other relatives, but they have some weird names, so I'm just going to skip past that for now. Pass. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to skip that. Yeah. So... <laughs> This is a true crime podcast, so the story isn't over yet. Any guesses? Ari's not dead. That's a random corpse. Mm. Fire investigators became suspicious when they found (gasps) that all of the circuit breakers in the garage were switched off. Oh, so, so safe of you, Mm -hmm. fire setter. So there would not have been an electrical current to power the fluorescent <gasps> light. I'm an idiot. I didn't even think about that. It could not have ignited the fuel from the filter. Oh. So tests showed that there was also gasoline accelerant in addition to the diesel fuel on Ari's clothes. And from what I read, gasoline is more flammable than diesel, but diesel burns longer but okay i was gonna ask why gasoline came into the picture but i think it ignites faster okay so the medical examiner was having a difficult time identifying the remains due to the extensive burns on the face arms and hands so the only way to make the identification would be through dna and or dental comparisons Mm. one of the investigators sergeant scott morrison was at home watching Forensic files. Oh, yes! Scott, you're one of us. Yes. And the case he saw was about Madison Rutherford in New England. Madison had faked his death and assumed another person's identity, and forensic odontology had proved that it was not Rutherford who was found in the vehicle. So this got them thinking, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Unfortunately for investigators, Ari had not seen a dentist in about 10 years. Okay, I'm Ari. (laughs) Don't be Ari. But it's been so long, I can't go now. (laughs) You can't. Ah! Investigators were able to locate the last dentist that he had seen in California, but there were no dental x-rays. There, however was a note about a very specific filling in his lower right tooth. And the remains did not have that filling. Dun, dun, dun. What? I feel like there's a John Grisham book about the same kind of idea. So if any of the fans want to remind me what book I'm thinking of, that'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. Hit us up. We want to know. Okay, so my Morris (laughs) jumped onto the desk. He almost knocked my beer into my keyboard, and then he got his legs stuck in the pop filter that I'm using, and it's just been a fucking disaster. (laughs) Oh, now he's stuck in my headphones. Okay. (laughs) Okay, we're back. (laughs) Hi, Morris. Morris. (laughs) Jesus fucking Christ. (laughs) It happens, man. 
So, the tests conducted showed that the diesel fuel was not the only accelerant found on the clothing of the deceased. There was also gasoline, which should not have been there, right, if this was just an accident. So, who was the body in the morgue? I want to know. I know. It's sad. Oh, God. A missing person notification came into police by Donna Fiorito, who was reporting her 20-year-old son, Justin Newman, missing. Oh, baby. Yeah, just a very young kid. He worked at a local Home Depot and had not been seen since Saturday. Donna told police that Justin had told her that he was approached by a man at Home Depot who was offering him some side work. That man was Ari Squire. This is the worst because I also used my uh, major aspiration was to work at Home Depot for a long time. (laughs) And now you just can't help anybody. Nope. Ari had offered Justin $15 per hour to do some work around his house. That's probably more than I get paid, to be honest. (laughs) Well, and again, this is back in 2008. I know, which makes it worse for me. True. This podcast is not lucrative. Not yet. Come on, folks. I got a social media this shit. I hate social media. I know. Me too. On February 24th, Donna had received a text from Justin saying, quote, Mom, going to Missouri to work. See you next week. End quote. Justin was not known to text, and this was very concerning to Donna. He was... The type of person that liked to talk to his mom. Okay. And he would have called her. He wouldn't have texted her. So she was very, very concerned. Okay. Investigators learned that Justin was 5'6 and 140 pounds, which was similar to Ari's weight and build. DNA from Justin's toothbrush was compared to the remains. And Donna also provided a DNA sample for investigators to compare to the remains. Dr. Richard Keller, the Lake County coroner, was able to positively identify the remains as Justin Newman. Okay. An all-points bulletin, or an APB, was issued for Justin Newman's car, which was a sporty-looking red Is it red? Oh, guys. I know. I gotta look more into Joe, who has a red car, Maybe he has committed a crime, my uh, lab wor- my lab co-worker. <laughs> Poor Joe. Sorry, Joe. You don't listen. Investigators believe that if they found Justin's car, they would likely locate Ari Squire. Mm-hmm. As the investigation continued, police would learn that Ari was in substantial financial debt. By 2008, Ari had pleaded guilty to two different Medicare fraud cases. Whoops. One... Mm-hmm. One judgment was for 126000 and the other was for 63000 Additionally, he had over $200,000 in legal fees. And to make matters worse, his construction company was not doing very well due to the looming housing crisis. Great. Investigators would also learn that Ari had two life insurance policies totaling $5 million. The policies were to pay Denise Squire and Joseph Baccaro 
which I'm assuming is his business partner. Okay, I was like, who the fuck is this guy? But okay. So not their dog. Jack's getting no money. No money. Jack. There was that heiress. <gasps> that really famous heiress. So her name escapes me, but she like left all of her shit to her dog and was like, fuck you, family. Was it? My dog's getting my billions of dollars. Was it Patty Hearst? Was it? I think she's actually alive, to be honest, but Patty Hearst really likes uh, fancy dogs. Okay. But there was, like, legit an heiress that was like, fuck you, family. It's like that movie, The Aristocats. Oh, yeah. Which I fucking love, and that woman wants to give all her money to the uh, the cats, and the butler's like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> Why you don't have a butler? You just have cats. So, Denise denied any knowledge of the life insurance policies and any involvement with the homicide or the potential insurance fraud. However, investigators would uncover some interesting emails sent to Denise from Ari's email account. After his death or before? One day after the fire, oh. Denise Squire received an email and it said, quote, my will and letters are in my file drawer to the left in my office. They are locked in a priority mail envelope addressed to you, end quote. That's so nice of his ghost to send an email. I know, right? Jesus. <laughs> and then three days after the fire, another email was received. And it said, quote, when will my ashes be returned to you? Where are you planning on dispersing them? Is there anything you need? Thank you, Denise. With all my love, Ari. This is the nicest ghost. So accommodating. Was Denise involved? Well, a dead man can't cash a check, so... <laughs> so yes, Denise. Yeah. And to make things weirder, because, you know, we like weird we stuff. We love it. To the surprise of the investigators, Justin's co-worker, another Home Depot employee named Sandy Lively, came forward with information on Ari Squire. He told investigators that Ari had approached him about working for him. He said that the job would pay $60,000 a year, and they were set to discuss the job at Ari's house on February 23rd. Oh, I'm going to say... I'm poor. That's a very tempting offer. <laughs> <laughs> However, for Sandy's benefit, he accidentally slept in that day. Ah. Uh, he did not make the meeting. Yes. Tired people unite. Non-morning people unite with me. So it said that his daughter had had a sleepover for her birthday and Sandy had been up most of the night <laughs> tending to the girls. Oh, man. And... The interesting part about this, right, and we'll post the picture um, on social media and also on the website, is that Sandy and Ari looked damn near identical. Oh, interessante. And he was also closer to Ari's age. Mm, first choice. You see the picture and you're like, oh man. Yeah. That's crazy shit. Okay. And so I will post them. I'll try to be on time. We'll also post them on social media. Wait, I'll definitely get the website updated. Uh, Instagram and Twitter is a 50-50. I'll get them on Facebook. But 
when you look at this picture, you're just going to be like, no fucking way. Okay. No fucking way. It's crazy pants. Okay. So he was the first choice. Yes, exactly. And so investigators did learn that in the weeks leading up to the fire that Ari had grown a beard to make him resemble Sandy even more. So he was normally kind of clean shaven. He's really putting all his eggs in the Sandy bucket. Yeah. And then Sandy slept in, did show up, right? Oh, Sandy. Sandy Lively said during an interview, quote, it's a creepy picture. He's the hunter. <laughs> And I'm the prey. Oh, end quote. God. Sandy, that's some past yeah. trauma. Chiron in areas retrograde is saying, maybe address that. Mm-hmm. That has to do something to a person. Oh, yeah. So Sandy also told investigators that Ari, for the 60000 a year job, had given him a very weird job application. It included questions like, your mother's maiden name. Are you living with parents or a spouse? (laughs) What is your place of birth? Do you have any body markings such as tattoos, piercings, and where are they located? Once again, we should all get a tattoo. Mm -hmm. Do you have any felonies or have served any jail time? If so, when and where? Please tell me the deeds. And please list three living family references. Also, are you stealing my credit card information? (laughs) I know, right? It's either that or I'm going to murder you. (laughs) So, it was the latter. Ah. That is worse. Right? So, investigators believe that when Sandy didn't show up, Ari became impatient and called his second choice, which was Justin Newman. Investigators surmised that Ari had used chloroform. Larissa! Larissa! Larissa is just the base of True Crime mm-hmm. Trine. Well, she was episode two. She was, and she keeps branching out. Mm-hmm. But they had surmised that Ari used the chloroform to subdue Justin, as there was no signs of blunt force trauma or injury, aside from the vehicle crushing him. I was going to say, that was that there? Yes, okay. Yes, but not, like, to his skull, there was not, like, he, so it didn't look like he hit him over the head or, right. or anything like okay. that. So Ari then stripped off Justin's clothes and then replaced them with his own clothes, and he put Justin under the truck and dropped the jack, which killed Justin instantly. Oh, he wasn't dead. No. <gasps> no. I was just thinking the horrible thought of dressing a dead body. Nope, he was still alive. That's horribler. He then doused Justin and the truck with more diesel. The amount of fuel that was used was inconsistent with what would be inside a fuel filter. And then he also poured gasoline on top of that. He attempted to make the scene appear that the fluorescent light had broken and ignited the fire. But investigators did determine that he most likely used a torch or a match to start the blaze. There was also burned cardboard located Oh my god, the like kindling? Mm-hmm. Jesus. So Ari thought the fire would destroy all of this evidence, but it did not. Ari thought wrong. Investigators believed that the motive was money. He wanted that payout on his life insurance policies, and his 40th birthday was coming around, and the premiums were going to increase. So he was currently paying $2,000 a year, 
but after his 40th birthday, he would be paying $13,000 per year. Oh, damn, that's a bad birthday present. Ari was broke. His construction company was virtually bankrupt. The housing market was crashing, and there was no work. Ari also had a 33-unit condo project in Florida that was falling into bankruptcy. This in addition to his outstanding debt with the courts and the attorneys. So, do you know if the life insurance policy had any sort of um, restriction on it? Did it have to be like an accidental death? It didn't say if it was like, I know sometimes they have where it's, if it's accidental, it's, what is that called? Double. Double indemnity? Yeah, where it pays out more, but it didn't really talk about the context of it, just the amount, which to- there was two policies. One was for four million, one was for one million, and so together, a total of five. Okay. Police theorized that Ari had fled to Missouri because that is where Justin's text to his mom oh. said he was going to be. So investigators in Missouri had been notified and were on the lookout for Justin's red sports car. And five days after the fire, an alert police officer spotted the car at a Best Western in Eureka, Missouri. Why would he go to Missouri? That's like the one fucking state you shouldn't go to. I thought, why would you go to a town named Eureka? Okay, there's a Eureka in California, and there's also a Yreka in California. Okay. Why do you reek? But if you're hiding out from police, like, I found you. Eureka! Right. Yeah, (laughs) that's good, too. (laughs) The police spoke to the hotel clerk, and the clerk identified the photo as the person who had rented the room, but said the room was registered to a Justin Newman. They approached the room without backup. They did identify themselves, and then they heard a loud gunshot. When they entered the room... The man was deceased of a self-inflicted gunshot wound. He had Justin's driver's license. His hair had been dyed blonde, and he was wearing blue contact lenses. But it was Ari Squire, and DNA confirmed it. He really committed. During a news conference, Lake County Sheriff Mark Curran stated, We have one murderer who was too much of a coward to face the music. And he put a bullet through his head, end quote. Yep. Although he did save the state a lot of money. He did, but... But also he got no, like, comeuppance. No. I mean, he took the life of this young kid. <sighs> I know. And Justin. then killed himself five days later because he got caught. Like, ugh, it just... And obviously he was going to get caught. Yeah. He wasn't even doing this right. No. Ugh. But Denise Frank was not criminally charged in the case. However, in 2010, Justin's mother, Donna, and Justin's half-brother, Frank Testa, filed a civil wrongful death lawsuit against Denise. The jury determined that Denise was liable and awarded Justin's family $6 million. Wait, wait, wait. Did Denise actually get the life insurance policy from Ari? It's tied up in the courts. Okay. I mean, he he is dead now. Yeah, he is. 
But it was suicide, yeah, so I don't that know. That makes it messier. If that policy, but covers covers that. Some do, some don't. Yeah. At this point, it is not known whether or not any of Justin's family has actually received any sort of funds from it, but they at least, you know, went through the motions to to take Denise to court. And one, which has to be at least a bit fulfilling mm-hmm. to know that you're in the right. Six million dollars probably is not worth it for the life of Justin, but no, no, he was twenty. I think years probably old. it's definitely not. Oh, what am I talking about? He had so much, so Such much a life baby. to live. Oof. I was able to find Justin's obituary, and so I'll read that now. So Justin Newman, January twentieth of nineteen eighty-eight to February twenty-third of two thousand eight. Justin was tragically taken from us much too early. His life had only just begun. All of us who knew Justin knew him as a very kind, caring young man. He was extremely hardworking and always striving to better himself. If Justin wasn't at work, he was fishing with his buddies or watching a race with his mom. He always seemed to find time for his family, especially his big brother, Frank. They were extremely close. To those who never got a chance to meet this kind, hardworking young man, the family would like you to know how huge of a loss this is. We are only just beginning to try to understand how such a horrible monster could commit such a heinous, violent act on such an innocent human being. Justin was a son, a brother, a nephew, a cousin, and a friend to so many, and he will be deeply deeply missed fucking hell i know but i wanted to highlight you know the important life that justin had even in his young 20 years he was a very important person to his family and to his friends and all because ari decided that money and a faked fucking death was more beneficial than justin's life yeah, what fucking year was this? This was 2008. You haven't heard of DNA, Ari? Because, like, Bell Gunnis did that, but that was 1888 or whatever. Like, we'll just say that I don't think Ari was the smartest okay. Fair. individual. We'll say he wasn't the brightest crayon in the box. All right. Fine. He was a gray. <laughs> that is the story of... The death of Ari Squire, which was actually the very tragic death of Justin Newman. Yeah, that is, yeah. That's so, I know. None of these are, none of these are good, right? If anything, this podcast is going to make me a meaner person. But like, (laughs) if you offer me $60,000 to like work in your house now, I'll be like, no. (laughs) It should make you be cautious of. Things that seem too good to be true probably are. Fair, yeah. That makes sense. But, I mean, he was only 20. Mm-hmm. He didn't have very much... L- well, he was only offered $15 an hour. That was Sandy Lively, oh. who was offered the bigger job. Who was older. Job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he adapted, but he already didn't care he wasn't going to pay him, but... Yeah, I mean, it's still interesting that he adjusted the figures, right? It actually really is, because it doesn't Mm. matter. Yeah. (laughs) Ari, 
too much work, but although get, offering a 20-year-old a $60,000 job might be very suspicious. It could be, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Especially for just, because he was supposed to be working around Ari's, you know, just little things, not like an actual position in the company. So. Yeah. But for a little bit of astrological overview on Scorpios. Here we go. So Ari was born November 10th, 1968. I was not able to find his birth time or location, which is oh, so... that's so hard. So disappointing. And I... I I, I know you did. Sleuthing. You would get it if it was there. For the general public, you would get it. Yeah, I went to genealogy websites. I went to Ben Verified. I went and, and nowhere does it list the place of his birth. The closest I could get was Illinois, but he <laughs> also did grow up in Santa Barbara. Oh, so fuck. I don't know. Like, I, so I didn't want to just type in something and you can get something that wasn't accurate so yeah but so we'll talk a little bit about scorpios uh scorpios are often mistaken as a fire sign but they are actually a very deeply emotional and sensitive water sign scorpios are intense and often harsh they are extremely extremely secretive a more evolved scorpio may show traits of determination and braveness and loyalty and ambition. However, that was not Ari. No, no bravery here. A less evolved Scorpio will often be jealous, resentful, stubborn, controlling, obstinate, and often very, very vindictive. Goddamn. You really nailed my Venus. (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) So, on more of a lighter note, I was very curious about Denise and Ari's relationship. Like I said, she was a little bit older than her husband. It talked about how they had a loveless marriage, but... Mm-hmm. And and like we were talking earlier, I was also thinking that it might be a beard yeah. type situation, but... We don't know, right? And they were married for 14 years without children. They just had their dog, Jack. So there was there was love there. And, you know, maybe the reason why they slept in different bedrooms is because one of them snored. I was going to say, snoring. We don't know. Like snoring. If you snore before I'm asleep, I won't go to sleep. If I go to sleep first, it'll be fine. But, like, mm-hmm. sometimes you need to, like, I don't know, cuddle and then split up. And that's fine, I think. Not split up, divorce, but like go to a different room. Yeah. You just need to be able to get a good night's it's sleep. It's so right? important. It's crucial and to I'm everyone's well-being. tired all the time. So I'm very much <laughs> pro getting a good, night's of, good night of sleep. Exactly. So I did a little bit of compatibility Yay! for Scorpio and Virgo because Denise is a Virgo. Well, sh- uh, this makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. So, surprisingly, this is a very strong pairing Mm -hmm. because the powerful parts of each sign come out when they're together. It's kind of like yin and yang, Mm -hmm. if you will. The earthy Virgo is attracted to the intense vibes of the Scorpio, and the Scorpio is very receptive to the practical Virgo. Yeah, it kind of uh, attracts both of them, gives them what they want. Yeah, I can 100% see this. This is 
could have been her idea. It might have been. We won't know. No. Um, and she was never formally charged. Yeah. So while Virgo and Scorpio are not the same element, Scorpio being a water sign and Virgo being an earth sign, they are very harmonious. Mm-hmm. And also, Virgo and Scorpio are a sextile aspect, or they are 60 degrees apart on the zodiac wheel, which gives them an affinity for each other. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They work in nature. As water nourishes and the earth provides, so they are very well balanced. They flow together naturally, and this blend of elements works well in relationships. They don't intimidate each other and are very curious to learn what makes each other tick, and they are overall very compatible. Not to say they are 100% perfect, but the issues that can arise are generally fairly minimal and never bad enough to cause a total failure in the relationship. I see that for sure. Like, they plan this together, for sure. And a Virgo is pretty practical. Not to the extent mm-hmm. of a Capricorn, but, like, still focused on getting... Well, honestly, I would have thought Denise would be better at organization. Denise, Virgo, you had him email you, when he, but he was a Scorpio fucking it up. Well, and I also thought that it was a little bit interesting that he had the first one and then a backup, right? So there's some practicality. That's practicality. Like, they have a list and they're like, okay, he's number one, he's number two, he's number three. We'll be able to do this. It's just, which one will we get? So, anyways, it's all conjecture. And honestly, we don't know. Virgo, that bitch, she didn't get charged with anything. No. I guess she does owe someone $6 million, but she's not in prison. Nope, she's not. So She's living her life. That might be a Virgo success. It, it very well could be. But that is what I have for you today. Thank you. You're welcome. That was, yeah. Someone please tell me the John Grisham book I'm thinking of, because it involves a car <laughs> on fire with a fake, well, a real body, but not the right body in it. And that might be more based off the other case that the detective saw on forensic files because that was actually in a vehicle and that was in New England somewhere. I was actually going to look at that case and see if that was something to do an episode on at another time. I thought it was, you know, I love me my forensic files. They're so good. (laughs) And criminal minds. So good. I know. So to wrap up this evening, I have a little bit of astrology, not a ton, but just a wee bit. So Sarah, let me know if I did okay. <laughs> if you listen, Sarah, you should be back or you can listen. You can listen while you work. Yeah. Sarah. I don't know. That just made me think of the Snow White. You whistle while you work. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. Sarah. Are you listening? Listen to us, Sarah. (laughs) So on August 3rd, so this episode will air on August 2nd. On August 3rd, Venus in Virgo will be in trine with Uranus and Taurus. And trines are very good things. So a connection could bring some excitement and joy when it comes to romance and relationships. And it could also 
maybe give a financial boost. <gasps> so this this might be a good day. Let's see. I do need a financial boost. I know, right? Ugh. However, oh, no. on August 3rd as well, Mercury and Leo will be square ah. wah, wah, with Uranus and Taurus. And this could give you a little bit of nervousness or anxiety. So try not to be overwhelmed while you're making this positive connection in joy and romance. (laughs) (laughs) I guess. I don't know. I'll take it. Right? And then on August 6th, the sun in Leo will be square with Uranus and Taurus. I know. Squares are bad. We're just going to square everything. Changes are going to come, and they're not going to be the ones you're hoping for. I don't like this. I know. And this clash could cause tension, unpredictability, and maybe even a little chaos. So just beware. August 6th might be a day to stay home. All right. Just social isolate. Don't talk to anybody. And then on August 8th, the new moon is in Leo. And new moons represent an end and a beginning. It is a good time to make a fresh start or to start a new project. It is also a good time to reflect on old habits and behaviors and beliefs as you are searching for new ways to make progress. This is kind of in line with, was it Chiron? Chiron? Chiron. Which may or may not be the way to pronounce it. Because you're you're looking back, right? right? So... You know, take a little time to be reflective. And this lunation does encourage us to dream big and think of our own needs or that self-care, right? And our own desires. And Leo New Moon is about self-expression and expressing what's in our hearts. So the New Moon is square with Uranus, though. So this could bring sudden and unexpected changes It may bring some instability into our lives, so just be aware of that. This is not the best time for impulsiveness, so try to stay flexible. Avoid being stubborn and try to keep an open mind. Also, this new moon may amplify our egos and our pride, Mm -hmm. and we may feel a strong urge to express ourselves, but just be mindful not to take it too far Otherwise, you'll just come across as an arrogant asshole. Yes, Leos, listen. (laughs) Okay, pros and cons here. I have to... Pros and cons is all I have to say here. (laughs) Okay. I... Yeah, pros and cons. Woo! We'll see how that goes. Let us know. Yeah. It would be a big con if we didn't hear from you. Yeah. So please reach out and connect with us. We can be reached on Twitter at True Trine, on Instagram at True Crime Trine, on Facebook at TCT Podcast. You can email us directly at truecrimetrine at gmail.com. And I will send you a sticker if you do. Hey, bribery. Woo. And you can also check out our amazing website. It is so cool. Please send us some more murder mittens and any other pets. We've got a danger noodle. There's going to be a danger noodle. There's going to be a couple of naked cat babies. 
cat babes. Ooh. Hairless cats is what they're actually called. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> Naked cat babes sounds... Um... Naked cat babes. Naked <laughs> cat babes is what you're getting. And a dog. We have our first dog. Yay. We got a pup coming on. So check out the website. It's www.truecrimetrine.com. Perfect. Woo. Do you want to sign us off? Should I end this? Yeah. All right. Well, have you heard of D.H. Lawrence? Mm-hmm. I believe he's an author. I ordered a book of his. I'll read it sooner or later. <laughs> but we could probably be friends. Although he did write in like the 1800s, he might be a racist. <laughs> but what he did say is that we need not be ashamed of flirting with the Zodiac. The Zodiac is well worth flirting with. Unless it's the Zodiac Killer. Boom! Yeah, yeah! Woo! Awesome! Music for our podcast was handcrafted by the talented and creative minds of Mike Warren and Pete Ortega. Our artwork was imagined and skillfully designed by the lovely Sarah Guest. As for production, well, they call me post-production. Show notes are available upon request. Just email truecrimetrine at gmail.com. Join us again next week for another tantalizing episode.